Testing, testing. It's on. One, two, one, two. Microphone checker. Microphone wrecker. Microphone picker, picker. <laughs> Alright, let's give this a shot. What is life? What does it mean to heal? I'm a human. Hello, hello? Anybody there? Why are we here? What does this mean? Let's figure it out together. That's fun. Just to come play. Play in the podverse. What are we doing? This is the Turning of the Bones podcast. Hello. Welcome to another episode of the Turning of the Bones podcast. I'm your host, Colby Marie. Welcome, you serious sows, you luscious lindas, you dreamy debras, you fecund felicias. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of this podcast odyssey, this exploration, the Turning of the Bones audio project. I'm so happy that you're joining me. I feel like I'm still riding the wave of that interview with my friend Adria, the poet, priestess, mother, creative angel. Um, (laughs) I'm still riding the wave of how fun it was to interview somebody. And yeah, I want to promise more interviews to come. Got a long winter ahead. Lots of time to email people, set up interviews, pre-interviews. So I hope you enjoyed that. That was an absolute, it was just a blast to make. It was, yeah, it was just good fun. And so I look forward to many more of those podcasts. I hope you enjoyed it. Hope you got a new perspective on cleaning your home, on what your home's all about. I'm going to have to apologize. My allergies have been killing me. There's a bit of a frog in my throat, a little stuffed up, and just going to get through it. It's just the time of year. The weather here in Denver is, (laughs) I don't even know how to describe it. it. It keeps reminding me of a Death Cab for Cutie song. It says something along the lines you know, that we can wear t-shirts every, you know, thank you, global warming. We can wear t-shirts every day in November. And in Denver, it's really kind of eerie. It's, it's getting into December. We haven't had any snow. I have a sense that this is a drought year. I think it's called a La Nina. Um, and yeah, it's been about 70 here for the past week. And it's kind of, it's disorienting. And I know it's definitely prolonging this allergy season. We just haven't had enough frosts to really knock down all the leaf allergens and the dust. You can just see it in the air. It's creating some really glorious sunrises and sunsets, but here we are. Global warming. We, uh, I was at a dinner last night and we started to have a conversation about the weather and you know what's going on with the environment and yeah it's a bit sad what we've done to this earth what big corporations and capitalism profit over people stuff we've known for decades just kind of coming to a sad fruition in 
the balance of how, how the planet's going. And so while it's really nice to be able to skateboard and wear t-shirts in December, it's a little, little scary and disorienting to have it feel like spring when it should feel like winter. And I've got a frog in my throat because of it, so I'm drinking lots of water. Taking my herbal supplements. I'm happy to report that I'm at three months with no cigarettes, still using the vape, and just gonna keep going with that because I seemingly can continue to breathe and exercise with a small amount of vaping throughout the day. So, <laughs> looking back, there's a there's a version of myself that still can't believe that I'm a vapor. So here's to all the vapors I judged. My apologies. It's actually quite a bit nicer than smoking. You don't stink. It doesn't seem to have the impact on my lungs that uh, cigarettes did. And I don't feel the guilt and shame with it. So that's quite nice. So thank you. Thank you, vape lords. Here's to the, here's to the vape lords. So uh, this week, bounced around quite a bit on ideas. I've been having a pretty frenetic couple of weeks. I took last week off and just rested. I took a lot of naps. I feel like there was just a ton of doing and my body was kind of just finished and I needed a week off. So I rested quite a bit. Had a lovely Thanksgiving with some friends and family. It was quite nice didn't overeat which felt like a, a huge victory of moderation and discipline and discernment this year and I'm feeling recharged feeling ready to get back at it so I, I picked up some some jobs this week and I didn't have as much time as I would have liked to prep for this podcast but the prep that I was able to do I think is going to open up a series that uh I'm pretty excited about it. I'm going to do a two or three part series on this concept of healing the child within. And this is a therapeutic modality that I think became popular in the early 80s based off of the work of, uh, yeah, I think it kind of, it stemmed from a lot of things. There were some patterns that a psychologist his name's Jack Whitfield. I probably got that wrong. I'll get it right when I actually sit down to do do that podcast. But uh started noticing that people were talking about these hurt parts of themselves and uh, trauma-informed care was becoming more prevalent. And there was an increased awareness around the impact of childhood trauma on adult behaviors and actions. And my mom actually turned me on to this quite a few years ago. She gave me this book, Healing the Child Within which is worth a read. It's a fantastic lens through which to view your your healing journey. And so I started doing some prep on that and realized that there is a framework through which a lens, a series or set of lenses through which I view the world and have come to view myself, the world, and others. And I thought it would be useful just to kind of do a short little podcast this week and get everybody up to speed on that. I 
I've talked about a lot of things in this podcast in these 30 or 40 so episodes, and a lot of those have been shifts in my understanding, shifts in the way in which I view myself and others, and looking at this healing the inner child piece, it became really apparent to me that I needed to share that I, I agree with this concept loosely that we're all on our own hero's journey and that an ultimate truth is the only thing that I can verify is that I'm, you know, there's something looking out of these eyes that I remember being in third grade and realizing I would never be able to see my face through somebody else's eyes and that's that's continued to hold up under scrutiny the more that I evaluate that it's like this experience is the only one that I'm having I can make inferences about other people's feelings I can listen to them I can take them at their word but at the end of the day truth be told I'm having my own independent experience and inside of that experience there are lots of things happening I think that most of my listeners maybe have heard concepts like the true self, the false self, your identity, your ego structure. Um, An ego structure not to mean a belief that you're better than other people, but I'm talking about the series of memories and experiences and stories that kind of come together to create a sense of identity. Um, For example, my name is Colby. I was born in Carson City, Nevada at 11.15 p.m. on September 7th, 1976. I moved to Ohio when I was four. I went to Troy High School and attempted to date Brooke Blisman for most of high school. I went to college at Ohio State. At Ohio State, I had my heart truly broken for the first time. I graduated against all odds. And so all of these these stories and the messages we get about ourselves. So in school, you get the message, you're not a good student, you're a great student, you're creative, you're an artist, you're an athlete, you're worthy of love. You know, it's, it's this really tenuous collection of beliefs, stories, experiences, memories, emotional attachments, that kind of come together to create this idea inside of ourselves that I am a unique and separate person, that I am co-authoring this this voyage through my life as as this character. And I think it's important to share that I agree with a lot of eastern teachers that this is like this is a a a false sense of self it's a separated 
kind of very tenuously it's held together by like silly putty and a little bit of glue and then there's some safety pins but really this idea that there is a me doesn't really stand up to scrutiny and you know the evidence for that and I think the easiest evidence for that that I could share is that I have to believe that I'm a skateboarder to think I'm a skateboarder. Like I'm not, you know, sitting here doing this podcast, I'm not, you know, the identity of being a skateboarder, right? I've heard this example used before with athletes. It's like when you're young, you might be a professional, a very successful athlete. And as you age and your body starts to change, a lot of people who are really successful using their bodies when they were younger, go through a bit of an identity crisis when they can no longer do the thing that brought them joy, got them positive feedback, and created this sense of self. Um, and so when I look at that, it, it seems to me, it becomes apparent that that is a fiction that my brain creates based off of experience. Um, and that it takes, it's like a step removed from reality. If I just take a deep breath, And I kind of center myself in the feeling of having a body and the feeling of having a breath that that Colby isn't like there. There's no like there's no Colby watching Colby. It's just kind of consciousness. There's just kind of this awareness of being. And it takes you have to remove yourself from that by a step or by a degree with a thought to believe that there is a separate Colby. And so <laughs> I think Sam Harris talks about this in his podcast. This is becoming more prevalent with the mindfulness revolution and, you know, apps like Headspace, but it's a consciousness only view of the world. And it means that there's no, there's no separation. There's just awareness. So everything <laughs> in this world is one thing everything you perceive is one thing and that it takes effort to separate it so it takes a thought to think there is a tree instead of being there is something appearing in awareness that is tree shaped and i'm experiencing what it's like to look at tree thing <laughs> i don't know if that makes sense but i think it's important that i state that as kind of the foundation from which I'm operating here is that everything on top of that is a belief it's a story that I'm attached to and it's it's like a degree removed from reality as is um, I had a teacher ask this question once when I was on retreat and it was what is the quality of this moment before you have a thought about it. And 
that really kind of just a, something clicked in me when I heard that. I was like, oh my God, I do have to have a thought about something. You know, like when I'm in the flow state, I'm just experiencing. If I'm skating or doing this podcast, it's like time kind of dissolves and maybe you felt this doing something you love or cleaning or cooking or, you know, making love. You kind of, time dissolves and you don't really feel like there's a separate you and you're your brain's not sitting there thinking like, oh, am I doing this right? Did I say the right thing? Did I wear the right thing? You're just being. And it takes a thought to get me out of being. And so anything that requires a thought isn't reality whole, basically. It's a step removed from reality. It's us trying to define and communicate about reality, which is super useful. Um, it's how we create safe societies. It's how we create trust. It's how we create community. Um, so at one point in my life, I started to realize that there were a lot of parts of this identity structure that I had that felt subjectively unhealthy you know they it felt like they were causing me harm whether it was a negative internal dialogue it felt like they might cause others harm in my behaviors or how I show up in the world and I started to try to clean up my identity structure I wanted to get closer and closer to the truth um, and it's a project that you know probably take me this life maybe next lifetime lots of lifetimes to go all the way through this and really kind of like sort it out but I feel I feel pretty determined it seems like the one endeavor <clears throat> that I'm really super super duper committed to and I remember I was in a yoga class and I was in this yoga pose and I started having all these kind of self-conscious doubts, you know, what are people in the room thinking about me? How do I look in the mirror? And like, while I was holding this pose, I, I kind of, I, I got this flash, like, whew. I think I've talked about this in the podcast before, but I, I was transported back to like middle school gym. And all of the fears that I was experiencing in my 35 year old body were the fears that I had when I was 12. Um, and when I, I, I spent some time looking at them, I talked to my therapist about them, and they didn't really seem to stand up under scrutiny. They were, they were kind of overlays meant to keep me safe so I wouldn't have to feel embarrassment or rejection. I wouldn't have to experience some of those core fears I talked about in the first three episodes. And so my identity or my ego structure created these protective mechanisms to kind of continually self-assess. I was like always, you know, do I look right? Am I saying the right thing? And once I really started unpacking this, I was like, holy shit, this is like, this is like the iceberg of my anxiety. It's like this, this sense of like, I'm continually monitoring. I'm continually like checking myself against others, nonverbal cues or the feedback I'm getting and making sure that I'm not going to get kicked out of the herd or not going to be rejected or I'll die alone and kind of, you know, they all kind of went back and pointed at these 
these core fears. And they'd always been there, you know. I would go to a party in my 20s and have a really great time. And nothing bad would happen. And I would wake up the next morning so full of dread that I said something to hurt somebody's feelings. And, you know, this is... This level of self-concern or, right, like self... I don't, wouldn't say it's self-awareness. It's like <laughs> hyper-vigilant narcissism that I think we all kind of experience as far as like especially tied to our core fears of dying alone or being rejected or not being worthy of love that that those things that like they, they exist on a spectrum they if you have extreme trauma if you get you know have a, a parent or a caregiver who's constantly shaming you uh, talking down to you, giving you the belief that you're not worthy of love and the evidence is like, look at how fucked up you are or how bad you did in school or they can't accept the mistakes you made. There's normal human mistakes that every child makes and then you, you have like an even higher level of anxiety. So there's a spectrum of kind of this social self-checking that we do, and some people probably do it less. Sociopaths probably don't do it at all. Um, and so that exists on the spectrum. So I think this is something that we all share in common is this, this protective mechanism inside of our brains that is always trying to make sure that we're safe. And that applies to physical safety, social safety, we want to be cool. We want to receive positive feedback. And so I started, you know, I, I, I see this iceberg here. And I'm like, holy shit. How deep does this thing go? You know, I don't want to. I don't think other people just suck, you know, for the most part. Sometimes I get in a mood and I, I judge people. But like, for the most part, I'm not being this hard on other people. Why am I doing this to myself? You know, why am I scrutinizing every little thing I do, you know? You know, like, and this is reinforced by capitalism and fucking fat shaming and body shaming and marketing and the way in which capitalism and advertising plays on all of our worst fears. And I just, I got really fucking determined to figure out what the fuck was going on. And I kind of made myself a promise that I was just going to keep going. Uh, there's this teacher, this author, Jed McKenna, that I really like, and he says the only mantra you ever need on the spiritual path is further. And done is done. And I by no means am proclaiming to be done. There's... But I just like this thing further. I was like, there's always, there's more. There's, you know, keep going, keep going. And the more I looked at it, the more there was. There was my family. There was society. There was gender. There was body image. There was race. There was class. There was neurodivergence. There was sexuality. There was religion. And just looking at these complex social, emotional constructs and kind of like computer programming that our brains get, I was like, I, I want to be free of the ones that suck. You know, <laughs> like I don't want self-limiting beliefs. 
I, I don't want to continue on autopilot, you know, maybe I think every generation's probably had this. This is said with utmost respect for my parents and the trauma that they experienced. But they probably felt this about their parents. It's like you don't want to be your fucking parents. And so you look at the things that are like still twisting them up and you're like, oh shit, you know, like this is still an issue for my mom and I don't want to fucking be like my dad. And then you go in and you dig around. I think that's like a really great impetus for anyone to get into the journey of healing or self-discovery or self-inquiry. And so I think it's kind of this timeless progression I started to realize, like each generation is doing a little bit better than the generation before. It's like, fuck, my dad and my mom did better than their parents as far as like, I mean, in so many regards and on and on and on. But I just realized I didn't want to carry around. I didn't want to keep pumping energy into something that wasn't real. And it takes a lot of energy to have an ego structure or an identity. And I don't mean ego structure in like the Freudian sense. I mean ego structure in like basically synonymous with identity. Like I have a series of beliefs and stories and experiences that make me feel like I'm special or unique, which is true and not true. It's like one of those paradoxes you get to eventually in life. You're like... This is true and not true. Like, I'm incredibly unique and I'm not unique at all. One of my favorite teachers said, uh, there's nothing profane or profound about what you and I are. Um, it's just awareness. And I just, I, I think it's important to share because going into some of these deeper dives into healing modalities contextualizing why I think it's so important to learn how to be with these transitions that are just a pervasive part of life, whether they be personal, emotional, seasonal, um, being with death, being with joy, being with life, being with breath, that diving into those, like having the context for how I how I came to be here with this microphone kind of sharing this messy journey of healing and searching for the truth like capital T truth not like you know the square root of 49 is 7 and then looking in a couple books and being like yeah that's true I'm talking like capital T truths like One of the only constants in my life has been my breath. To my experience, the earth has always been underneath me. <laughs> um, those kinds of things. And so along my journey, you know, after that initial experience of meeting my identity structure, you know, I've had lots of teachers, I've read lots of books, I've had lots of therapists, I've looked into lots of different modalities, and I think the reason why I want to do this series on the inner child is I think that one of the most profound 
things that I have done along the way, you know, and I want it to be, I, I think it's important to say, like, I don't know if I'll ever become, you know, enlightened or awake, you know, I don't even know if I know what that means anymore. Um, I don't think it's possible to not have an identity structure. I think maybe it's just like a costume you put on once you're not attached to it. Because uh, you need, you know, you could just sit on a park bench or under a tree and dissolve into the earth. But uh, for the most part, like we have to keep going out and it's important to have like some distinction between me and you uh, for operating purposes at the carnival. Um, so... I don't know if there is a done that all experiences as far as like, I am one with the universe and I have discovered truth, consciousness, bliss, awareness, joy. I am the all changing never was and always has been, <laughs> you know, like I, who knows? That sounds really flowery and like, it's not real, like living in a body. You could maybe become a transcendental Buddhist and just live there all the time. I, it's not for me. I want to be a person. I enjoy the carnival for the most part um in those places that i don't i'm going to take a look at why i don't what am i attached to what's going on there anyhow um on the other side of that this author jed mckenna that said further kind of made this distinction that there's like kind of two things you can go for in the spiritual life you can go for human adulthood or you can go for awakening and i think that the reason why I want to share these modalities is I think the most important thing, and it's a step probably before you totally dissolve your identity structure, is that you go for human adulthood. And that involves cleaning up your identity structure, um, which I don't think is a prerequisite for detaching yourself from your identity structure, but it definitely doesn't hurt. And so for me, healing the inner child has been one of the most profoundly tangible like I can feel the results I can feel an increased level of compassion for myself when I, I work with the little kid inside me that did or didn't get what they needed when they were little uh, I can increase compassion for my parents who did or didn't get what they needed when they were little and kind of understand where certain shit came from which I think is helpful for any of us you know I don't know if you've had this experience but sometimes we have behaviors or beliefs or things that like we just kind of get hijacked and we're kind of in this endless loop of like highs and lows and like why did I do that behavior and now I'm judging myself and now I'm not going to do that behavior for six months but if I do it in a month I'm a piece of shit so it proved to me what I always knew which was I'm a piece of shit and I'm not worthy of love and like, as intense as that sounds, I think we, a lot more of us than not have a version of that operating. And I think doing inner child work, going back and reparenting myself in the moments that my parents couldn't, and really being with like the younger versions of me and asking them what they needed and what they wanted. <clears throat> letting them learn how to cry and feel safe without being conditioned as a male or having your feelings kind of 
reasoned or talked out of you or in extreme circumstances beaten out of you. Um, it's just, it's created more connection in my life with myself, you know, it's created a lot more compassion and empathy for me. It's helped me view my coping mechanisms and my psychological survival strategies growing up in an alcoholic and mentally unwell household. It's helped me celebrate the ways in which I survived, which, you know, I think is counterintuitive to how we're conditioned in this country, right? Like, oh, you were a raging alcoholic and pill addict in your 20s sounds horrible, right? But I, I've really come to believe that fuck off, fuck that narrative. I was using the tools that I was taught to use to survive the psychic, psychological strain of my experiences. And what a beautiful gift that somehow my soul and spirit and body and mind knew how to survive until it could figure out a new way, until it learned I don't have to drink. I don't have to take opiates. And so, so on and on. And so I want to share some of these, continue to share some of these lenses and psychological healing frameworks with y'all because they've been super helpful for me. And I feel like I have pictures of myself is a little kid all around my apartment so I can remember that I was a child once. I have pictures of my mom and my dad in my apartment as children so I can remember they were children once and they experienced harm. And I don't know, looking forward to sharing with you about that. Looking forward to sharing inner child work, uh, more poets down the road. And keep talking about this journey of like kind of kind of just cleaning up and tidying up our identity structure so we're not like walking around like confused and confusing jerks because we're always getting you know bounced around between unhealed parts of ourselves from the past and our current self so you'll see like a a 40 year old acting like a 10 year old and you're like oh my god and we pathologize them instead of being like oh no that's just a person who when they were young didn't get what they needed so they keep going back to that because the one thing i do believe about reality I've, I've come to firmly think this is true that That once you set, that all that is trying to have, I don't know how do I word this, that all that's really going on here is an opportunity to heal and become closer to the truth. And that if you set the intention to heal and to know the truth, that there's just this, I've, I've seen the patterns that the universe or the goddess or God or whatever, however you understand things bigger than yourself, that it the energy coalesces and it helps you on that path. And it keeps you going because doing that work is hard and you need assistance. 
from something bigger than yourself. And a good sign that you're looping is that you continue to repeat the same patterns over and over and over and over and over again. And it's like a message the universe wants you to get. It's like, hey, look at this thing. You keep doing it. You keep doing it. There's a different way to look at it. The way you're looking at it, it's not working. The way you're looking at it, it's not working. Um, so I, I truly believe that being born into a human body is just the experience of healing by whatever degree or measure you're willing to engage with that process. And... Yeah, I think I'm going to leave it there for today. A uh, little context about the history behind my experience coming to some of these things. Looking forward to... Con I'm just going to keep working on this inner child one because I think it's just really cool. And it's like, it's so much fun. It's like such a exciting healing modality. And once again, I just, you know, I'm not an expert. This is all just my, this is my fucking experience. Take what you will. I hope something helped you out. Um, I'm not like, yeah, I'm not an expert. I'm not a completed work. Um, the price of truth is everything. And yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop there. I think that's enough context for kind of the world reality view that I have that. <clears throat> leads me to do this you know there are tons of different ways that you can get support you know you can use divination you can become an animist you can be a christian you can be a buddhist you can meditate you can do therapy um but the right path is going to open up for each one of us as soon as we start the journey and i'm so happy to be on this journey with you all i'm so grateful for all my listeners each and every one of you 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 mean the world to me can't tell you how much it means to see you all listening on my, my analytics and yeah if you can support this podcast please do it's it's uh it's a good bit of work emotionally energetically physically emotionally uh you can go to my patreon www.patreon.com forward slash turning of the bones that's super helpful, but like I think the thing that would be the most helpful, and I want to really make a call, please, if you're getting some from this, from if you're getting something from this podcast, or you have an episode that was particularly helpful, share it on social media, share it with a friend. Uh, I'm really trying to grow this, like you know, without getting into marketing too much, word of mouth. So if you could share this, leave a comment in iTunes, like, follow, subscribe, all that stuff is super helpful. Uh, keep growing this you can visit the website www.turningofthebones.com yeah thank you all so much i hope i hope that made sense i i got a little out of my pay grade there talking about big spiritual you know it's uh it's that that's that's high tightrope public speaking that I, I i it's a little out of my i hope it made sense Feel like it's a little out of my pay grade but I, I felt like I needed to give some kind of context you know why I think learning about these you know it's like part of why I wanted to start this was like if I lay enough stuff out there because I've tried fucking everything uh, if I lay out enough things you know hopefully your path 
will open up and your path is going to be different than my path we all have a a path back home to our hearts um, a path home to the truth and we can walk for a little while on the mountain together or we can walk for a long time but uh different things are going to work for different people and i just want to share those so i hope hope that made sense i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go back and break this one down just gonna let this one be a little riff a little off the top love you all so much take care of one another pet a dog go hug a tree kiss a flower uh, smell something good taste something good tell the people that you love you love them uh, i'll talk to you next week take care of yourselves be well Bye now.